All right, everyone. Welcome back to the latest episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm coming to you live on tape delay on December 28th, the day before Georgetown's Big East road game against DePaul and welcoming back from last year from DePaul 24-7 site at We Are DePaul on Twitter. This is Steve Newhouse, and Steve, I want to thank you for being a returning guest to Kente Corner. Going great, Bobby. Good. Uh, thanks for having me on. For sure, for sure. So when we get you know the reporters on from the different cities to cover the Big East teams, it's always you know now in the transfer portal era, it's always interesting to find out who is someone that Georgetown fans aren't used to seeing. So just catch up, everyone. Uh, DePaul is six and seven, zero and two in the Big East. That you guys have lost at St. John's, at Creighton on Christmas Day, which we can talk about in a little bit just for the TV numbers. Uh, obviously, uh, Javon is Freeman Liberty is gone. That was the big name from last year. And then you guys had the weird David Jones transferring within the conference. So who are the transfers in? What's going on with DePaul? Who do the Georgetown fans need to worry about? Yeah, and uh, on the other side of the coin, um, you got a whole new starting lineup at Georgetown transferring in too. So Oh, yeah, no, of- trust me. Trust me, the yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for DePaul listeners, we, you guys have no idea who's on the team. Yeah, it's uh, so a lot of new faces on both sides there. Um, but um, you know, DePaul, as you know, has been dealing with uh, some injuries. And uh, matter of fact, uh, a few games ago, they were down to about eight scholarship players. And uh, since then, though, they got a little bit more healthy. Uh, got two players back in that Creighton game. Uh, so now they're at uh, 10 healthy scholarship players going into the Georgetown game here on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, as far as newcomers go, um, uh, the biggest name is uh, Mo Gibson, uh, Umoja Gibson, uh, who transferred from Oklahoma, uh, was, uh, you know, one of the leading three-point shooters in the Big 12 last year. And uh, you know, he's doing okay. Um you know, he's up there as far as both assists and steals go uh, in stats in the Big East. Um, so you've got him contributing. Uh, you've got Javen Johnson, who returns from last year. And you may not remember him because he didn't play that many games last year. He joined the team late, transferred in from Iowa State as a grad transfer on the second semester. Uh, and then it wasn't long after that that he had a season-ending uh, wrist injury. Uh, so we only got to see a little bit of him in Big East play last year. Uh, this year, um, he's come out and he's you know doing real well. Um, been leading the team in scoring. I think he's pretty high up there within the Big East in scoring. Uh, so you know those two guys, uh, you're going to see a lot of. Um, you know, Jalen Terry returns from last year. Uh, he was out with an injury recently, uh, bruised knee, missed two games. DePaul lost both those games with uh, Terry being out. Um, so uh, now he's back. He actually had 14 points against Creighton. Uh, so uh, that that's looking better for DePaul, you know, getting healthier right now. Uh, as far as style of play, uh, you know, I'm looking at Ken Palm. Uh, Deshaun Nelson plays the majority of the minutes at the center. Is he someone that likes to take the other team's big away? Can he shoot at all? Basically, I'm asking this because Georgetown seems to struggle with those type of stretch four, stretch five guys. 
Well, the middle is where DePaul's been struggling the most uh, okay. this season. And, of course, it's because uh, the you know two centers uh, were out with injuries. Uh, Nick Ungenda, um, you know, who was the leading scorer in DePaul's exhibition game, got hurt immediately after the exhibition game. Uh, he needed surgery on his wrist, uh, and he's not due back till February at the earliest here, so okay. we're not going to see him. Uh, and then DePaul lost Yorane for nine games uh, with a foot injury. Now, he just came back against Creighton, um, but according to Tony Stubblefield, he was under restricted minutes in that game. Um, so very limited play from him in that last game. I think he had about four rebounds. Um, but he is a presence uh, that DePaul needs on the defensive end. Uh, when you talk about Deshaun Nelson, really he's, he's undersized. Uh, that, that is not his natural position. Uh, so DePaul's you know, going to be happy to try to get Ana as healthy as possible here uh, and look to get him more minutes than what he got against uh, Creighton on Sunday. Uh, so that's kind of how things are stacking up there. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a ton of DePaul, but I haven't seen a ton of college basketball outside of Georgetown for the most part, just based on my schedule. But I have sort of been personally a bit of a good luck charm for you guys. I saw DePaul have basically no problems with Minnesota, who's you know struggling, but it's a Big Ten team. And I also got in, I want to say halfway through in the second half, the wild game against Samford, uh, overtime, 103-98, DePaul won that game. I was sort of rooting for both teams to get over 100 because you don't see that very often in college basketball. Um, were those Are those two of their uh, bigger wins? I mean, I know Ken Palm-wise, the best win is Loyal Chicago. Uh, also, it looks like here you guys hung in pretty well against Oklahoma State, only losing by four. So, again, I've seen basically two games. Um, what did I see? What didn't I see? What's going on? Uh, well, we'll start with that Minnesota game. That was one game where DePaul had a lot of players healthy for that one, and uh, Yorne did play in that game. And, uh, uh, you know, they did something in that game that they haven't done a lot this year, which is out-rebound their opponent. Uh, so, obviously, you know, you can understand the importance there of having someone like Yorne in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, that game against Loyola, you know, they had to come back from a 17-point deficit. Uh, so it was definitely a, a game where they rallied, and they made a heck of a lot of three-point shots in the second half uh, that got them back into that game. Um, yeah, the that Oklahoma State game, you know, it probably was, was definitely not one of their better efforts, and that was one of the games that URNA did miss uh, with his injury. Um, so yeah, I, I don't probably, wouldn't necessarily put that up there as one of their better performances the year, even though I know the scoreboard shows that they only lost by four. Yeah. Um, but they, they were definitely, um, undermanned in that game. One of the common opponents, Georgetown and DePaul do have, again, Georgetown is at DePaul tomorrow night. Uh, both teams trying to avoid going 0-3, although one of them is going to unfortunately join Seton Hall, which is the first 0-3 team in the Big East. One of the common opponents they have is Northwestern, both losing the game. I'm going to be honest, after seeing Northwestern up you know, up close and personal at Capital One Arena, 
was definitely I didn't see that score until later the next day. And I was just I think I tweeted something like, what in the world happened there? Is that just one of those games where Stubblefield says he wants to burn the tape and just uh, move forward? Uh, definitely. Uh, you want to burn the tape on that one. Uh, that was one of the ugliest games of the year and the ugliest game of the year uh, for DePaul. And uh, as you probably saw uh, in Georgetown's game against Northwestern, they are a pretty, you know, they're a good defensive team and one of the better defensive teams in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, they brought in uh, Chris Lowry as their kind of defensive coordinator this year. And uh, they're much improved on the defensive end over where they were last year. And, uh, you know, DePaul ran into that buzzsaw and did not have a good shooting day at all. And things just really um, got away from them in the second half there. And I know Tony Stubblefield was not happy with the effort that he got at all. He felt as though the team quit in the second half. And uh, I think that's an accurate assessment. Uh, so, you know, while they lost by 15 at Creighton, I, I think the message there, though, was being sent is that this team won't do that again and will not quit and, you know, will continue to put up and fight back, uh, which is what we did see against Creighton on Sunday there. And going with the Northwestern game, one of the things that I know that caught Georgetown's fans um, – sort of, you know, raise an eyebrow was the on Twitter, I guess, basically like apology from the athletic director. How did you guys see that? Um, I'll let you know how I think a lot of the Georgetown fans saw it, but what was the the takeaway from the DePaul fans and, and from, from you that's covered DePaul for a long time? Um, I didn't take it as an apology, um, okay. but um, basically what DePaul Athletic Director Dwayne Peavy was saying there is that, you know, we have higher expectations for this program, for this team, and uh, going forward, we expect them to meet those expectations. Um, you know, saying that he does not expect to see a team the way they did against Northwestern. Um, and, you know, he's going to hold them to the, that higher standard. That was pretty sense? much kind of what I got out of it. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, didn't mean to cut you off. Did you get a sense that, I mean, you know, look, we've all got jobs, unfortunately, covering Georgetown is not my full-time job. Um, you know, we all have bosses. Obviously, it doesn't get played out in public like it does here. But it just sort of, I think the Georgetown vibe from that was like, one, I think Georgetown fans wish that their athletic director was maybe a little bit more involved in how they perceive the operation is done over there. But two, sort of, you know, throwing a little bit, as the younger kids might say, some shade at the coach and, you know, stepping on his toes and things like that. Do you feel like, uh, did it become a story there or was it kind of like a non-story? It was pretty much a non-story. And, you know, if you would have had the, the two of them in the same room at the same time, you know, Stubblefield and Peavy, I, I think they would both agree um, uh, on that. And, uh yeah, that's, that's pretty much my take. I mean, okay, it, you know, Stubblefield's pretty much if you had heard him post game after that uh, Northwestern game, um, you know, he was pretty much saying the same type of thing, uh, saying that you know this is not the Paul basketball, this is not you know um, the standard that we want, uh, you know, uh, to to, our, to be expected or to be reached um, by our team. So. 
Um, no, I, I didn't get the feeling that he was like stepping on his toes or anything like that. And if anything, I think the two of them have been pretty much in lockstep on a lot of things. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Cause like I said, you know, at the end of last season with the losing streak Georgetown had, I think a lot of fans were hoping that uh, the Hoyas athletic director, Lee Reed, they eventually did put out a statement that was very vague and, um, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it, it it filled the void that the Hoya fans wanted. So I think uh, Georgetown fans found it kind of interesting from afar to see an AD, you know, go kind of above and beyond what you were probably used to hearing um, after a loss. You know, it's not like football. Where there's only 12 games. There's 30 of these things. You're going to have some some stinkers, some clunkers, things like that. Um, the exact opposite of a clunker, uh, even though DePaul lost, uh, um, you know, 0-2 now. Uh, losing at Creighton, um, the TV ratings came out today, and it's hard to avoid them, even if you weren't looking for them. Basically, about three million people stuck around after the NFL to continue watching Creighton and DePaul. What do you guys think about that? And um, you know, what I uh, just said to Bobby earlier before we came on was my my take. Kind of was that um, most of America had too much to drink uh, and couldn't change the channel after that Packers versus Dolphins game. Uh, so yeah, they obviously had a really good lead in there on Fox. Uh, and a lot of people chose to stay with, um, the Fox programming there and watch that game. So it, it is kind of mind boggling that a big East game, you know, featuring Creighton and DePaul ends up being one of the highest rated games of the year. Um, but, it, it really all depends on who you have as your lead in, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you know, sometimes when you get on FS1 and uh, the lead in is like motorcycle or um, I don't know, there's like been horse. I feel like there's been everything under the sun during this Fox contract. And sometimes you get that first game. I guess now the first game is at 630 a lot. But sometimes you get that seven o'clock cold lead in of something completely unrelated to college basketball. And then compare that to being on, you know, Fox with the NFL, it's just, it's an unbelievable lead in. We had the Marquette guy on Kente corner during the off season. And he's really focused. The guy from paint touches, he's really focused on the TV contracts. Have you guys thought much about that? Um, would, would your preference be to stay on Fox or is that something that you're just kind of not even that concerned about? No, it's something I've definitely thought about. And mm-hmm. I know they still got a couple more years before that contract up. Uh, and it's something that we have heard Val Ackerman talk about, uh, Big East Commissioner. Um, and, you know, you see what some of the other leagues have done. Uh, of course, you know, we're talking about Power Five leagues here that have football. Um, and they've gotten, you know, recently seen some new contracts there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Big East does. Um, and, and Fox, of course, is one of those networks that has signed some of those contracts, uh, So, it, it, which kind of makes you think, oh, Jesus, are they going to have enough left over uh, to, to fit in, um, uh, you know, a Big East uh, contract and everything there? Um, but the one thought that occurs to me is we could see something revolutionary here. And there, I know there's a lot of trending towards um streaming going on and there's talk of you know apple and uh amazon prime wanting to add more live sports programming and we're definitely seeing a trend that way 
you know, could they they end up being part or all of a Big East uh, contract uh, in a couple of years? That's the part that's probably most curious or fascinating to me is could we see a streaming company come away with at least part of the contract? Yeah, I think I'm starting to get too old to to be more of a streamer. I, I definitely get upset when there's a lag or the you know it's kind of like it you know pauses, pixelates, freezes, whatever term you want to use. I definitely like it being on a channel. But I mean, like you said, you know the Sunday tickets going you know to YouTube, and this is just the way that everything's working out. But I would prefer it to stay where it is. Although it doesn't seem like there's enough spots left over, but I guess we will see on that. Did you like DePaul playing on Christmas? Um, personally, we got a house full of family and everything going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was it's not my favorite day of the year <laughs> to, to have a game. It's the second time in, in the last, uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the last time. It was in 2014. Um, so the second time that we've I've had to, you know, cover – uh, DePaul playing on Christmas Day. Uh, the last time was uh, they were playing over in Hawaii in the Diamond Head Classic on Christmas Day. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely not one of my favorite days to have to be dealing with that. Um, I would have preferred uh, you know, that's just my own selfish take on it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was thinking for my selfish take, I would if it had been like, oh look, Georgetown's hosting Seton Hall on Christmas, I would have just. I would not have been very happy about that. Yeah, especially yeah, if you're the home team too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would definitely be. In my case, it was you know a road game, so I'm just in front of the television set there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I understand it's good for the league, and it's obviously it was good exposure for DePaul um, and Creighton both. Um, you know, to get those kind of TV ratings and that kind of exposure and everything is, is good. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely other days of the year, I'd rather be doing it. And of course we'll be doing it on, on New Year's day this year. So that, that'll be fun. Yes. Yes. Do not go too crazy on, on New Year's Eve. Okay. So the Hoyas are coming in. The last time I had you on, it was because Georgetown was closing in on a winless run for a whole season and they did it. Now they are just two games away from matching DePaul's 24 game uh, regular season losing streak. I know we've spoken before. What's DePaul's sense of Georgetown? How do you guys looking at this? Are you just, oh my gosh, I'm glad, you know, someone else is struggling, um, you know, take away from us a little bit while we try and, you know, improve under a second year coach. And then also I felt like on Twitter, I saw a lot of the DePaul account or people talking about DePaul sort of raising their eyebrows at how did you pick Georgetown ahead of us in the league standings? Like, where's the respect? So how, how are you guys viewing Georgetown? And do you feel like maybe you still kind of get disrespected and, you know, Georgetown right now currently has, you know, earned their bottom spot? Well, I think both teams are looking at this as an opportunity to get right. Uh, mm-hmm. you now, obviously, you know, you got Georgetown with, you know, their losing streak against high major teams and the losing streak within the league. Um, they're looking to break that and yeah. DePaul's on their own three game losing streak here now, uh, having lost to, you know, Duquesne, Northwestern and Creighton three in a row. So they're looking as an opportunity, you know, it's their first 
um, Big East home game of the season. They've been on the road for the first two. Um, so looking at that as an opportunity to get straight and uh, Georgetown is a potentially uh, an opponent to do that. And it, like I said, I think Georgetown's looking at it as an opportunity as well uh, to get back on track. And, you know, we talked last year, it's really kind of uncanny, the similarities between, you know, Jerry Wainwright's 0-18 theme and what you had, you know, potentially, we talked about potentially with Georgetown last year in going 0-20. That's right. You know what? I forgot. I think I think it was you that tweeted and I, I looked it up. I think the next year, didn't they lose to Americans just, just like Georgetown did? Yes. I mean, the the similarities there are, are uncanny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they both ended up losing to America in the next year. They both kept the head coach, uh, which amazed me. And I even jokingly said it on your podcast last year that, watch, they'll keep viewing and get rid of the assistant, which is what they did with Wainwright. And then that's exactly what ends up happening. Yeah. So if that trend continues, uh, then you're going to see Patrick Ewing get fired in the month of January and replaced as an interim with one of his assistant coaches, because that's what happened to Wayne, right? January came around, Big East play, uh, you know, he kept losing, and uh, Tracy uh, Webster ended up stepping in as the interim coach, and he ended up winning one game the rest of the way, and, and that was against Marquette, so... Uh, in the eyes of the ball fans, it was it was worth it just to get one win over Marquette. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it keeps following that same form there with uh, Ewing being on the hot seat. Yeah, I think for Georgetown, and I brought this up to the guy that runs the site, Casual Hoya. He's a very he's a very passionate fan, and I actually pointed out, I said, look, if you look at their opening four games. I know it's hard to say this when you've lost so many games and you're off to a disappointing start that if they could somehow steal the Xavier game at DePaul and home to Butler, it's kind of, you know, obviously going to Connecticut is just a house of horrors. Okay. But like, there's no gimmies in the league right now, I guess, if you're Georgetown, for sure. If you're other teams, you might think it's Georgetown, but if you're a Georgetown, there are, there are no gimmies. Um, all the analytics sites back that up. But this did seem like your best shot at maybe getting something going. And just like you're saying that once it got to January and Wainwright kept losing, there was kind of nowhere to go. The only thing I would point out, obviously, as you know, is that, you know, Wainwright wasn't the best player in program history. And there weren't big murals of Wainwright all over campus or, you know, at least in the athletic, you know, part of the campus, the athletic facilities. That is obviously where it gets tricky with um, the Hoyas. But I do understand that there are a lot of similarities um, when you go on these kind of tough stretches. I don't even know if that's the best way to say it because it's not really a stretch when it's been this long for um, Georgetown. As far as covering the home games, I know you've been doing this for a long time. Have you noticed a difference in, you know, maybe Georgetown? Were they one of the marquee opponents at one point? And has that maintained? I know that there's a good Georgetown alumni in Chicago. As far as, you know, when teams come through, is Georgetown, because obviously they haven't been winning, are they sort of lower on the pecking order? How is it perceived when they come to town? Has it changed, if at all? Uh, it's, I would say it's definitely changed. It's not one of the higher-drawing uh, uh, you know, crowds that we would get amongst the Big East team. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Villanova always seems to draw real well. And then, of course, you know, 
Marquette is a short drive away, so you get a lot of their fans coming in. Um, and even Butler, too, they'll load in the buses and, and come up to Chicago. Okay. Um, so there'll be a draw there of, of visiting fans from those schools. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's certainly not what it once was. Um, and, of course, you know, you know, we look back on the heyday and, you know, uh, remembering games like where Ewing himself played against DePaul and Alonzo Mourning, you know, games like that were just, you know, when you had Joey uh, Meyer coaching against uh, John Thompson, uh, that was just on a whole nother level. And you had, you know, the, the arena in Rosemont selling out for games like that. Um, but, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, as a kid, this was one of the marquee non-conference matchups. And I thought what made it cool before I got to, you know, at least think I know a lot of stuff is it was always the non-conference game sort of in the middle of conference season, which I think is a really cool thing to do. I feel like that that sort of added to it. So like in my formative college basketball years, uh, late 80 or yeah, uh, like 89 to the early to mid 90s when I'm really kind of growing up watching the sport. It was always a big game, but I, yeah, I just sort of meant like even as conference foes, because I mean, I'll be honest from the outside, Wintrust looks like it's a pretty cool spot. I know Georgetown would love to have something similarly sized, you know, in the area to play at. You guys are in year two of Stubblefield. I know not where you want to be, 0 and 2. How's that going with him? Are we still the honeymoon phase? Where, where is everyone sort of with uh, Stubblefield? Uh, there's definitely some frustration and uh, okay. expectations that they would be doing a little bit better this year. You know, injuries play, to, play a part in that, um, but, you know, only so far. Um, I think there's still an expectation to be competitive and, you know, an expectation that you don't lose by 38 points at uh, Northwestern, um, oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, – there's definitely some frustration there. Um, for sure. Um, and, you know, looking at where they stand right now record-wise and then going into the juggernaut that is the Big East schedule, you know, there's kind of the realization that, you know, the postseason is, is going to be uh, extremely difficult to get to at this point. Um, so there's a, I think there was hope that you would see more improvement in year two with Tony Stubblefield. Granted, he, he is dealing with those injuries, I and mean, anytime you lose that many starters, uh, you, you, know, you don't have the kind of chemistry, you don't have the kind of defense that he planned on having going into this season. So he's having to tinker with things and to you know try and get right. Um, and obviously, you know this game here uh, Thursday night um, is going to be an opportunity for him to get his team and get right and get approved. Uh, there and get ready for what is the remainder of the Big East schedule, which is going to be challenging. It's a really good league. The coaches, some coaches left. They were replaced by some pretty good coaches. You know, it's just it's just a really good league. You guys kind of got hot last year late. You know, you were three and thirteen. You finished six and fourteen in the league. Right now, Ken Palm kind of has you about that going five and fifteen. I think the hard part is for Georgetown fans is what would be a considered a good record. Obviously you know, going five and 15 doesn't sound good, but when you were zero and 19, it's actually, you know, you can make the case. It's, you know, a lot of improvement. So for you guys coming off of a six and 14 season, what do you think is going to be seen as kind of, you know, I guess if you had to handicap it a little bit because of the injuries, do you think a season that kind of goes six and 14 is going to be seen as, okay, we're kind of, you know, maintaining the level and then just kind of look towards the future. 
or you know, or people have bigger expectations to improve on the six and fourteen? I think it's the latter. Uh, definitely expectations to improve on that six and fourteen. So if they were to match that, uh, that you know, I think the feeling is that you need to have some improvement from year one to year two. And if it's just you know, stagnant or plateaued at the same level you, where you can't point to signs of improvement, uh, then, yeah, I don't think that would be something that most people would be happy with. Well, it's hard to make people happy. I've learned that, um, whether it's at my job, at my house. Fandom, obviously, is very is very difficult to make people happy. Um, but yeah, I think for both Georgetown and DePaul, I think that if either of them want to try and find a way to get, you know, move closer towards, you know, seven, eight wins, I'm obviously talking about, you know, that'd be very probably good seasons. It's hard for them both to accomplish that. Basically, they both really need this game and they probably need, one of them needs to sweep the other one to get to that point, you know? So it, I think it makes for very interesting, you know, it's not often that 0-2 teams make for a really interesting watch. But I, this does have the sense of the team that falls 0-3 is just in a lot of trouble. Yeah, definitely. And as you pointed out there, they'll have company with uh, Seton Hall being off yeah. to a no start. Um, I think so, they're having injuries themselves, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Coach Holloway's learning uh, that, you know, the Big East is, is a man's league. It's a tough league. And uh, definitely getting uh, his indoctrination to the Big East already. No, for sure. Well, Steve, I want to thank you again. I know I always go a little bit longer than I, I tell people I'm going to do it because I like talking about, about Georgetown. And I like talking about the other team coming through because, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago or even five years ago when I didn't have kids, it was easier to kind of pay attention to everything. So I really value having, you know, people like yourself coming on to catch us up to date with uh, Georgetown's opponent. Again, the Steve Newhouse uh, at We Are DePaul. He's running the DePaul 24-7 site and does a really good job. He's one of my go-to followers in the Big East. Steve, again, I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, we can all watch tomorrow, FS2, Georgetown, DePaul, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we'll uh, go from there. And I hope to have you back when they have the meeting here. All right. Sounds good, Bobby. Thanks for having me on. All right. Follow him. Do it. Do it now, guys.